0: Orville
1: Roach. Welcome back, folks. It seems like it's been uh, two months since we've been live back on the air.
2: <laughs> oh, uh, man.
1: This is your host, Orville Roach, along with my producer, co host, call screener, and clip dropper, Chris Morales.
2: I've lost the engineer title, I see. That's what happens when there's technical difficulties yes. the engineer title gets stripped from you. Yep.
1: 646-564-9909. 646-564-9909 is the number if you want to call in and speak to us. If you just want to listen to the show, you can or you listen live, you can go to our the show website, which is blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG radio. Again, that's blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG radio you can also listen via the call in number which we just gave you 646-564-9909 if that's your only means and by all means
2: you got to do it do it
1: yeah we're about accountability when 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 <laughs> when when there's technical difficulties you got to hold people accountable when uh start you that's know it. chopping heads chopping legs and uh and uh you know sending people packing
2: right yeah cuz it wasn't uh, a title degree that's earned necessarily what's it called when a university it, invites it's a, conferred on you <laughs> an honorary an honorary degree exactly and so those come with uh stipulations and when you start to drop the ball that honorary degree could be stripped by yeah. that who appointed oh, yeah. it
1: your standings like your graduate standings exactly
2: stripped from you exactly
1: so uh a first item up on our recap just FYI, keep everyone, keep our listeners in the loop. Our technical difficulties that we've been working on—two out of the last three weeks. One one week we purposely were off air due to organizational business, which we will talk about. Yep. Uh, the other two weeks we stayed off, trying trying to make sure we would solve the technical issues that were going on. Uh, it happened maybe four or five times between July and September, where our show was dropped in mid-show, and we had no idea because our studio interface shows a clock, and it shows when you're on the air, it says on air, and it's counting down. And so that's all we're looking at. And so the only way we end up finding out is we might receive texts from listeners, <laughs> spouses, et cetera, saying, "Hey, you guys are no longer on air, or you're on, you're off, you're back on, you're back off, and back and forth." So we know that something the Morse code <laughs> something's going on. So it was our sole goal during this period to fix that, and we hope that we have. Uh, we hope that you can hear us out there loud and clear, uh, crisper. That's right. If that's uh, the word to use, and that uh, we won't have that, those problems anymore. Um, so
2: do we, uh, do we give a shout out right now to, to the company that helped us get on track? Sure. Let's do it. We got to give a shout out to Gelb music. Uh, Gelb not only came through with the cord needed to amplify the mic for our graduation that we will be talking about about a half an hour before the ceremony was set to begin. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, they have walked us through this process of, um, Connecting through Skype versus using Blog Talk Radio's Direct Connect feature, which was what was dropping us from our show. Which
1: I officially changed the name to Direct Contraption.
2: (laughs) Exactly. Direct Setup. And uh, yeah, so we went into Gelb after troubleshooting it ourselves, trying to figure out how we could use Skype with two mics and separate signals. And we troubleshot it for a while, couldn't figure it out, went into Gelb and... They gave us a product that we needed to use and told us how to set it up and worked instantly. So a shout out to the folks at Gelb in Redwood City if you need a musical instrument or an accessory for one, hit up Gelb on El Camino. Uh, and And that's an unpaid sponsor by the way.
1: A specific shout out to Riley. He's the one who uh, who worked with us last year when we were setting up our studio for the yeah. show and he remembered. He said, "Don't touch anything."
3: <laughs> this
2: is what I want you to do, and so tell yeah. him Roach and the co-host sent you. I don't know if there will be any discount, but tell yeah. him anyway.
1: He'll probably say who. <laughs>
2: <laughs> exactly. So those, well, were that's our,
1: good. those were our technical difficulties, which we hope, as I said before, we've ironed out.
2: Let's hope so. Um, with, I think we
1: should end with no help from Blog Talk. By the way.
2: Yeah, no. If anything there was just some defensive posturing and finger pointing and accu- going on. Accusations. <laughs> and accusations.
1: It's on so, your end.
2: So uh yeah. We
1: have a fantastic uh broadband connection. I mean mm-hmm. unbelievable speed and and bandwidth. So we knew it wasn't us. But anyway, let's move on to uh for our East Coast contingent, uh our the, the wonderful, the amazing New York Mets.
2: Oh, okay. Let's do it. The n y Mets are two games away. Are they playing tonight?
1: They should be. I don't know why there would be any break if right they, if they keep skipping these extra nights other than a travel day we're going you know, we're getting deeper and deeper into the fall, and the weather in Chicago and New York is gonna get colder and colder. It's get
2: nasty, right, So yeah, no, I think it would be today then because they were in New York for the first two. Mm-hmm. now they'll be in Chicago for three, yep, and uh. The Mets, unfortunately, for those Chicago fans who have been waiting since their grandparents were waiting
1: nineteen oh eight
2: over a century, uh, may have their hearts broken on their home field if the Mets continue to play the way they're playing. Yep. So, so that's unfortunate.
1: Shout out to the New York Mets fans and, the, and two number one New York Mets fans that we know, uh, one here on the West Coast, Larry Thomas. That's right. An old Atopian and William Torres out there. And, oh, that's uh, right. Out there on the Eastern Seaboard, uh, another big time Met fan.
2: Um, and for what it's worth to the Chicago fans out there, at least you've had practice in coping with heartbreak. So you'll know how to deal that's, with
1: it. That's a good way of uh, looking at it. That's right. Because there will be some heartbreak. Look at me talking trash on, on, <laughs> on the airwaves.
2: <laughs> that's it.
1: Uh. Go to the NFL real quick, of course. As, As you know, since we are rabid football fans, so we will be having football updates weekly. ...on every show. That's
2: exactly right.
1: Uh, So let's just briefly
2: wear things out with your team. Yeah, so I I do enjoy the banter that the host and I share, both on and off the air, as we are fans of separate teams that are typically hated uh, among those circles. But because of that, I can count on the host to give me some nice feedback, some honest feedback... Uh, to give me an answer that's not blurred by my own fan vision. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to ask about Colin Kaepernick. Uh, when we lost those four straight minus the Giants game, where he looked improved, um, this the, his career was over. Let's put in Blaine Gabbert, see what he's got, and that's the end of it. Now, against the Giants, he played really well. Granted, at least in that game, and I don't know if they improved, I guess not against the Eagles, but they had the dead last pass defense
3: rank Mm -hmm. in the NFL.
2: Mm -hmm. So, of course, it's going to help a quarterback look better than maybe he is. Um, But he looked better in that game, and then that was followed up by a game this last week, again, against another porous secondary. But he's looked better in back-to-back games now. Mm -hmm. And so the one main difference is he's under center instead of in the shotgun. Mm -hmm. People are saying that's getting his timing down. But I want to know what you think. Is he were those two really terrible games he had back to back an anomaly? Are these two better games that he's had a result of playing poor defenses, or is it somewhere in the middle? Well, first of
1: all, I don't know who you mean by Colin Kaepernick. I, uh, I only know I only know Colin Pumpernickel. <laughs> um, and uh, he was terrible for the first four games. He did show some mild improvement. And uh, I think it's just a product of the whole team, to be honest, in terms of the yeah. offensive side. Um, and From the line to the play calling out, to everybody. Yeah, yeah I think it's a whole – it's not all him. He is what he is, so let him be who he is. But it's difficult for him to be who he is when he doesn't have what he needs, like he had but the, the years when they were going to the Super Bowl right. and the NFC Championship.
2: So, I guess breaking that down, basically Colin Kaepernick is not an NFL franchise quarterback.
1: He can't carry the team. Right, right. Okay.
2: Yeah, no, that makes sense. I believe that.
1: So, um, now, more importantly.
3: How about <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, we're injured. I don't know what else to say.
2: That's a really good way of summing it up. We're injured. That's a really good way of summing it up. And key positions, too. Yeah. Not like, you know, your little uh, defensive tackle in a 3-4 that you could just send in another big body. Missing
1: my quarterback, missing the uh, number one receiver, running running back is in
2: a a shambles.
1: Uh, So right now I'm uh, looking at the New York Jets.
2: Oh, that's your squad.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I'm I'm hoping the Jets can can, can keep me happy for the the fall months that are coming upon us.
2: Yeah. They've looked good. They, they've they looked much mm-hmm. improved. Uh, but and, they, boy, and they play
1: New England next week,
2: correct? They play New England this coming up
1: week. That'll be a good test for them.
2: It will be because that obviously, if you want to get through that division, it goes through the Patriots. Okay. So we'll see.
1: All right. That's it for the NFL update. Um. The last thing we want to do on the recap is talk about one of the shows that we did, which I thought was a very important show uh, in terms of content that was interrupted with the blog talk server issue,
3: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, was the show we did on forgiveness. Okay. And I'm going to uh, propose that at some point, I don't know when, but we'll schedule it, that we're going to do that show over um cover some of the same content obviously but some different content um but I was not happy that we had the show got cut cut off and it's kind of got split into two I want to have one show on that topic since I think it's such a very important topic in I agree. terms of recovery uh it deserves a redo if you don't mind
2: oh uh, not at all and I definitely agree and it's a shame too, because not only is the topic a powerful topic, but I think we were we had a good momentum going. The yeah. show was going in a good direction um, until what do you call it? Direct direct contraption reared its ugly head. Yeah. So,
1: all right. So one of the things, uh, one of the reasons why we uh, spent a week. Off the air is we held a graduation ceremony. Uh, at some point, we're going to be putting up uh, a couple of pictures on our uh, Facebook page for uh, our listeners to look at and enjoy. Um, now, before our last show, which was on I believe nine, the week of the Tuesday of nine twenty nine, was that a Tuesday? Yeah, nine twenty nine yeah it was we we did the uh, the show the uh the undergraduate which is you know a normal graduation you graduate from the uh the program that's right and then we had our graduation ceremony uh the following wednesday indeed and so we were preparing and so we didn't we weren't live that tuesday
2: a lovely ceremony a by very, the way a very
1: nice ceremony um and so what i wanted to do this week is talk about the postgraduate period
2: Sounds good. You, you
1: mentioned before the show it's like the uh going for your masters.
2: That's right. The, ma- the
1: postgraduate <laughs> you get or your the graduate masters,
2: the graduate school. Your masters in recovery. Yes. It's good stuff.
1: Um one of the things that I'm hoping in terms of using technology, uh one of our staff persons are working on that is being able to put up some clips of this is again on our Facebook page of some of the what some of the the, the graduates Mm-hmm. Stated. We've never mm-hmm. done that before.
3: Yeah,
1: um, I think it would be nice uh, a, a short clip of my speech, yeah. my spiel that I give to the That's graduates right. uh, that, that I get be. that I get to repeat every two years and maybe <laughs> add a twist here or there since they don't hear the same thing over and over. Keep it fresh. Keep it fresh. Um, but you know, it's it's an honor for me, honor for I'm sure the the, the usual way and those from from. In the day top, uh School, know the usual way graduations were done were the, the 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 graduate would choose a presenter to present them. They would then go up, and the, the presenter would you know say some say some words about them um, and things of that nature. Then, right. the, then the graduate would go up, and you know we we kept that same you know. Methodology, same mm-hmm. way of doing it. And, and I would always orientate the graduates, okay, so you only got, you know, this much time to speak and blah blah blah. 'Cause, you know, and if you see the cut signal in the back, make sure you start winding it down because we want to right. keep the ceremony to you know no no more than two hours. People can only sit for two hours, you know. Right. After that they start zoning, You're drifting off. zoning zoning out, right? So uh we added a couple of twists from the last two graduations. So the previous one to this one. And then this
3: one.
1: The, the last graduation, which was in 2012, if I'm not correct, we're we're three years out from the last one.
2: Yep. We
1: uh, decided to do uh, traditional graduation gowns.
2: Mm-hmm. We
1: said, they're graduating, so let's, you know, dress yeah. them up with let's the graduation do gowns. Do how a
2: graduation right. is done.
1: Right. Played the graduation song and the mm-hmm. whole nine yards. Um, this time around, the only added twist was that I, as the executive director, walked with the graduate. The same way, like the principal walks,
2: that's right, with the
1: graduate. So we right. we added that twist to it this time. I got to wear uh, a gown, uh, but next time around. You know the different color gown that the principal yeah, right, wears. Right, you know, right, right, exactly. wear the graduate gown, I get to wear the. Yeah, what, you know, what do they wear? Like a burgundy or something.
2: Yeah, a different color, and you're supposed yeah. to have maybe a couple different patches on or, you, or ribbons, uh, yeah, you like know, the, around me or something. The the infantry soldier's uniform is not nearly as
1: decorated <laughs> as
3: the the general. You
2: know. Well,
1: the other the other thing that we were trying to accomplish is that we didn't want me the the MC, my hands are in quotes, to take anything away from the graduate. So we wanted to right. have that balance of not overshadowing them, et Course. cetera. So the next time we have a graduation, my gown can't be, you know, flowing colors and all <laughs> kinds of, you know, flowing ribbons and take right, away from right. what the graduates are wearing. Everyone's going to look at me and say the graduates. No, we don't want that. It's about them. So... um this time around what we did is we didn't have quote unquote presenters. We had people introduce the graduates, but we let the graduates have the floor for them to right, speak. Right. And as is the case, some people will talk and really tell their story and you'll feel them and feel their emotion. Some people will you know
2: some people will give you the one liner. They'll
1: give you a one liner and you know, grab that diploma and you Thanks know for everything and race off the stage, <laughs> you know, so That's right. Uh
2: uh, that's so, the nice, the human element. Yeah,
1: so we had a mixture of both, um, and that went well. But in that, you, know, you always get to a point in the ceremony where we get to the question,
3: mm-hmm. what
1: next? I want the graduates on that day to enjoy that day to its fullest. Right. OK, it's a time to look back on not only the day you walked into treatment, yep. but look back on where you were before you walked into treatment, the trials and tribulations you experienced and that, that whole journey right, before you landed on uh, the doorsteps of the treatment program. And now here you are, whatever length of time. It is because everybody's time varies, obviously. But whatever that length of time may be, here you are, uh, and you've you're at, you're you're now you're now recognizing and you're being recognized for completing something that you set out to do. Yep. And we say that with a caveat. We never say when someone comes into treatment that the goal should be to graduate. We say we want you to complete the program. Graduation is a personal thing. If you want to continue on to that, you know, there's a couple more steps, right? a step or two, whatever that, I don't remember offhand. Just
2: another commitment, basically.
1: To to accomplish, to then get to that step. Some things you have to do. And it's, you know, some people choose to do it, some people don't. Right. And it, it has no bearing on someone's, Success or failure in in recovery, um, it's just important to some, and some people it doesn't make a difference. Um, and we know there were some people who were or who now live in other states, who for you know val- various reasons couldn't make it, even right. though they they wanted to come, they couldn't make it. So, um, so what next? What happens now? Now that you know this day has come. I want you to enjoy this day. We want you to enjoy this day, even when the ceremony closes and we're finished munching on our oudouvers. That's from the honeymooners, by the way, Ed Norton. That's how he pronounces hors d'oeuvres. <laughs> uh, and, you know, cake and ice cream. And, you know, the day's still young because we finished, you know, yeah. 4
3: o'clock four in the 30, afternoon, yeah.
1: whatever. And, you know, what happens after that? I said, well, first of all, for today. Enjoy this whole day, not just this ceremony. And you know, you take the gown off, and that's it. But enjoy the whole day. Remember this whole day. Now tomorrow is a different story.
2: Absolutely.
1: And see, I tell the story. Sorry if you hear a lot of noise. I'm just ingesting my mic. I tell the story that uh, of what I was told by my lovely wife. We were young in marriage then.
2: It's a great story too.
1: And uh by the way, just just for the posterity on the air, uh we just celebrated our 25th anniversary.
2: Oh, my goodness. Last Friday. 25. Congratulations. Thank you. That's awesome. There's a 25, there's like a name to it, right? The silver silver, right? silver anniversary. Yes. That's really really that's really really awesome. Uh that is great news. I'm so happy for you guys. Congrats.
1: So, um, where was I? The 25 years just threw, threw me off.
2: <laughs> just joking, just joking. Maybe the 25th <laughs> anniversary was the time to bring up the potential mid-size, the mid dog? <laughs> or was that not a... No, 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 no. no was that not no, a good no. enough opportunity. No,
1: no, no. Uh, there that. That hasn't moved off of a no yet. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right, all right, fair enough. Um,
1: so the the graduation day is over. We now move to the next day, and I remember, as we talked about in the previous show about graduation period and what it takes to become a graduate. The experience I had when I graduated, when you know when I went through my oral mm-hmm. uh, interview and became a graduate at the Far Rockaway facility, and how they announce your name over the PA, and, you know, you go down the elevator from the sixth floor of where they held the interview, and you come out to the main floor, and everyone's clapping and acknowledging you and so on. So it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, Just like it was a big deal when you were, you know, in treatment upstate, and, you know, a graduate was coming upstate, or a graduate was coming on the property, or like, you know, you wanted to, to see them, touch them. You know, it was like a big deal. Because you aspired to become that.
2: Huge deal, right.
1: You aspired to be that. And I remember a senior counselor by the name of Alfonso Della Barrera, may he rest in peace. He used to always come in the dining room and say, you know, hold up the family. And, you know, he was always bad cop. But he was a nice guy. But he always played the bad cop. And he would always say, you know, there's 250 people in this family. You know, only 10 of you are going to make it. Yeah. And every time he said it, I always think to myself, well, I know I'm one of those ten, I just look around. Sudden, I don't know who the other nine are, but I know I'm one of the ten. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but, um, so when I came outside, um, she was still, she stayed in the car for the, you know, she she knew the day top, she didn't know what all this nonsense was. Of course. Uh, so she stayed in the car, and I came out, and she said, did you get it? And I said, yeah, I got it, and congratulations, and all that good stuff. And then she says... Well, it doesn't mean you can go go do whatever you want. (laughs) Right. You know what I mean? Of course. And that is the actual reality of the situation. Yes, graduation is a very important goal and accomplish to to you personally, because it means you set your sight on something, Mm -hmm. a goal out there that you wanted to accomplish. You did the work. You accomplished it. You succeeded in that. But guess what? As we told the graduates that day. It's only the beginning of another journey. That's right. A new game starts tomorrow. And you've actually been in this game already since you've left treatment. You've been in the game, you know, in this new journey. We don't get to the next day just forget everything that we've been doing. We don't get to stop practicing the, the and utilizing the tools that we've learned and all of that stuff. Of
2: course not. You yeah. know
1: what I mean? Because then you'll never get to graduate, postgraduate status.
2: You'll never get that master's. You'll never
1: get that master's degree in recovery. And we mean that tongue-in-cheek. It's just an analogy. There's no such thing, by the way. It's <laughs> just an analogy we're talking about here. That's it's an, right. It's, a, it's an analogy. So we try and tell them when we're talking to them, and, and again, I get the honor of giving the quote-unquote graduation speech to the graduates of – explaining to them whatever it is that you are doing or have been doing up until this day must continue tomorrow. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And who knows what tomorrow holds now in terms of life experiences. You know, we don't know what they've experienced up until the day of graduation, but the fact that they're sitting there, they succeeded to this point, is wonderful. But, you know, people go through a lot you know, post graduation. I mean just life. You know, you you name it from A to Z.
2: You're probably gonna go through more in that period than you are any of the other periods as far as life circumstances are concerned. From A
1: to Z. And the question becomes do I maintain the discipline that's required to deal with in whatever fashion I need to and cope with in whatever fashion I need to, whatever comes my way. And as a result, my sobriety is never an issue. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things we always try and emphasize is, you know, when you were an addict many moons ago, many, many, many moons ago when you were an addict, your instinct was when things were going bad and sometimes even when things were going good was to get high. That's how, that's how I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to medicate my feelings. And we've worked over time and through hard work and, 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 and effort to change that instinct to when things, are, things go bad and there's a setback emotionally or a setback physically or a, a, just a life setback, that the instinct isn't to medicate my feelings but to express them, feel them, experience them,
2: verbalize them. Yeah, you're changing your mode of operation or your your response, your natural response. You're creating a new habit, so to exactly. speak.
1: Exactly, we're creating a new habit because it we want to get a we we we've gotten away from the old instinctual responses that were negative and got us in trouble, and we've developed new instinctive responses that are more positive and constr- constructive. Mm-hmm. And so, obviously, the goal. The, the the unspoken goal is we want to continue doing that because, you know, obviously most of our graduates are fairly young,
3: mm-hmm.
1: okay, as you guys will see out there in Radio Land, uh, the pictures and we put them up there. Um, <laughs> and, and that's just the reality that we've noticed over the last three or four years that people coming into treatment are, I mean, of course, we still have the older folks, but more and more and more and more and more people are coming in younger, and younger, and younger, and younger.
3: Yep. Okay, when I
1: say younger, I mean between the ages of 18 and 25. Where, you know, just a few years ago the average age of someone in treatment was in the mid 30s, maybe upper 30s. True. And now it's trending downwards, you know, big drop. 20, yeah, 21, yeah, big drop.
2: 22, yeah.
1: And of course, along with that comes the behavior with, uh, you know, someone that's been out there 15, 20 years, you know, and and is sick and tired and is ready, you know, ready to do something different.
2: You feel that?
1: Very different than someone who's twenty one
2: just they're, getting started they're
1: a young buck <laughs> or a young bucket and you know still feel you know uh what's that word when you don't feel like you you're you're, you're impe- rock bottom you're, in, you're, you're nothing can penetrate you you you're, uh, yeah you are yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. invincible you're, you're invincible there it is
3: mm-hmm.
1: um and you know unless they have at that age hit rock bottom, okay there there's really a lot of a lot more effort involved oh, yeah. in getting them to you know change the way they think because talking to a 19-year-old is very different than talking to a 39-year-old or 49-year-old who's been through the ringer
2: you don't need to convince someone of what bad can come who's experienced the bad the one who hasn't the young buck as you put you have to convince them that if they haven't been there yet that that is what is on the horizon and that it's bad. It's worse than they could imagine. And I think that's where the, that's where the, the challenge comes in and the hard work comes in because you're almost taking the stance of a salesperson. Mm -hmm. I need to sell this person on the idea that if they continue to do this, there will be things that happen two years, three years, five years down the line that will make them incredibly unhappy. Mm -hmm. But, they haven't experienced that so they don't know that other than what i'm saying mm-hmm. the 49 year old i don't need to tell he or she how bad things can get
3: mm-hmm.
2: they 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 could tell me mm-hmm. how bad things can get and so you have bypassed that initial step of let me first try and convince this person that what we're trying to sell is good mm-hmm. versus you continuing this way, and it's going to be bad. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where a lot of the challenge comes in when you are dealing with somebody who is younger, who hasn't necessarily hit that quote-unquote rock bottom, which is different for everybody, by the way. There's no way to define that. But when somebody doesn't feel like they've been there yet, you that blind faith, right? Mm-hmm. They, this is a step that they have to take just to trust right. that you, what you're saying could come to fruition versus... You don't have to tell me. I know. And so here I am.
1: And how that ties into our graduates moving into their postgraduate phase
2: Uh
1: is because of their youth and and, and the graduates being younger than what we are used to from back in the day – there is a longer period of time available to them in terms of to to for life experience to take hold right whereas someone who who you mm-hmm. know we have a graduate who was you know let's say in their mid forties has had some life experience right that aids them you know you can there's nothing you can there's there's no substitute for experience obviously okay and so but the person who's a little older. Has that little bit of an advantage with that life experience to aid them on in their continued success and recovery. Exactly. Whereas someone who's younger, and I'm speaking to this today because as I'm I'm visualizing uh, looking at the graduates. I'm talking to them and and a lot of them were very young, uh-huh. right? Which is a change, right? Uh, that they may, you know, they just have a longer period of time to continue. Until they get to, and I think everyone who has gone through a program and graduated a program, uh, there's a point in time. Like for one, one of the graduates had said, and during her talk, one of the things she mentioned was this was day number blah 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 blah. It was up there mm. in like eight hundred and something. I don't know. Right. And so one of the things I said to her is, you can officially stop. Counting
2: uh-huh. the days,
1: you uh-huh. don't need to count the days anymore. Um, but because they have, and they're young, like we said, mid twenties, maybe even younger than that. Uh-huh. Um, there's still room for what we used to say when we when we worked with the adolescents. We we can help you with everything, but we had but there's app there's no cure for adolescence. Yeah right. We can help you with your problems. We can help you with your addiction. We can help you with your family issues. We can help you with all that stuff. But the one thing we can't help you with is being an adolescent. You just That's have to right. go through that. And so the same thing with these graduates who are very young, they have to just go through that. Those, those whatever you know, whatever you go through when you're in your twenties. Mm-hmm. And some people mature. You know, there's there's a, multiple steps of maturity, by the way. So we know how you mature out of teenage age into your early twenties. Mhm. Theoretically, because I still think today's today them
2: extend that, uh,
1: Today's twenty one is yesterday's fourteen.
2: Extend that cutoff, yeah, I agree.
1: Today's twenty five is yesterday's seventeen. Yeah. Okay. Um, if you remember there was a time when they were saying, Oh, today's fifty is as yesterday's forty, no, as you get in the upper ages, it was going in reverse.
2: Yeah, yeah, fifties the new forty. Is the new forty? It's the
1: new 40. <laughs> well, it's like yeah, twenty-five is the new seventeen. Well, that unfortunately that doesn't work well.
2: No, quite the contrary. Well,
1: yeah, it's the op has the opposite effect, but that's what we're dealing with, by the way. Just in case you wanted to know, and uh, you know, even have personal experience witnessing <laughs> that on a daily basis of having, you know, children who are in that age range. So. Uh, <clears throat> I think I'm qualified to say that.
2: Oh, absolutely, and on both ends of the spectrum as well, mm-hmm. from both inside the walls as well as in the home. Yes.
1: So, the good thing that when you and again doesn't we we don't hold no uh, this, this like favoritism. Over someone who chooses to pursue graduation versus someone who doesn't
3: mm-hmm. okay,
1: but one of the in my opinion, my humble opinion, one of the the advantages that they get is and I guess this can be called um it's not a material advantage it's more of a you'll think of the word but they they get to to have their a copy of their diploma put on the wall. In the facility,
3: mm-hmm.
2: for
1: not only them to see when, when if they when if they return, but for others to see, you know, for posterity, right? You know what I mean, right? Um, and so, in, in our adult facility, the residential facility, you know, we just have uh, copies of the diplomas for everybody that we've issued a diploma for, just lining the upper walls and, and in the hallway, and I think we're all running out of space, to be honest. hmm. And it's as soon as you walk in the front door you can see that, that's oh, that whole wall is that's
2: just, right. you know filled with that's the first uh, thing you look at
1: diplomas and it's one of the things at graduation and i said this to the graduates is not only just for them although it's their day and they're the primary focus of the day there's a carom shot there sure is for that day to the clients the, the current clients the active clients sitting in the audience and we make sure as we are making our speeches and bloviating (laughs) to point out to the current clients what they need to do in order to get there.
3: That's
2: right.
1: This is one day for them. Yes. And uh, so we bring them in to show them. And and, and this is why we, we decided to parade the graduates through, walk them through mm-hmm. to the sound of the graduation music, and make make such a grand, big even though it is a big deal, but to make a grander, bigger deal out of it. Out of it, and again, you know, folks, we're 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 not big.
3: Yeah, we're not, small.
1: Yeah, we're we're not big. Small program. So not we have three hundred, you know, clients. You know yeah. what I mean. So we have to use amplifiers
3: <laughs>
1: to make us appear bigger. Okay? Yes,
2: exactly. Um,
1: and and have a more uh, a larger effect uh, to the to the people who are trying to get in get in their brains and get in their thinking processes. And I remember a staff person coming up to me and saying that a, a client who was on the fence and kind of writing their own plan so to speak you know making that mistake mm-hmm. you know of how long they were going to be there and when they were going to leave and so on and so forth and then but after hearing the graduates mm. speak went to the staff person and said you know what i decided i'm going to just
2: write it out write it
1: out however, whatever however long it takes me to finish this program that's what i'm going to do wow i said that's music to me
2: yeah that's awesome
1: to hear it have that effect on just even if it's just one person. So.
2: so, and after you've got the group of 40 seeing the ceremony and you've got them believing, hey, this is the goal and this could one day be you,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you re- you have them take a look around the room and you remind them probably only two of you will get there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm I'm not going to do the Alfonso, uh,
2: and here's yeah. the reason
1: why. And and you know no no offense to the to the culture of today, but you know we were able to take that. You know we didn't right. we didn't yeah. we didn't falter and crumble and like oh god. No, I anything
2: just, that pumped us up.
1: Yes. Like I mean, I'm
2: going to make sure that I'm that I mean, one. We
1: looked around and said, well, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm one of those ten. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know what I mean. And so I. I think today if we went and said, look, only five of you out of this, you know, this 40 are going to make it, you know, they might say, you know, they might, people might start packing their bags out. Oh, well, they're going to be me, I guess. I might <laughs> as well hang it up here and just right. move on, you know. Yeah. That's that's one of the frustrating things uh, mentally, you know, as a a, a, a provider uh, and, uh you know someone who counsels and mentors others it's one of the frustrating things of dealing with the mindset of today i don't think culture is the appropriate word because we people are in different age ranges but i guess it's the mindset that you know is almost like there there's you have to fight through hopelessness not that there wasn't hopelessness back in the day because there was Okay, but the I don't know about back east. I can't speak to that. I presume that there are still large programs that have maybe hundred a hundred or more clients. Okay, that's my presumption that they, they still exist. Okay, okay, but and more often than not, in most other parts of the country, the programs aren't that large.
2: Smaller, yeah. They're,
1: they're smaller. As a result. You're not going to have the engulfing number of people to overwhelm you with positivity. Right. To overwhelm that hopelessness and that negative feeling you may have of whether or not you're going to make it or not.
2: That's a that's an excellent point. You, and you know, know what I'm saying? I never mm-hmm. thought about it like that before. And it's mm-hmm. so interesting that you bring that up because that makes so much sense. You, I mean, because you imagine, like, you're talking about the ratio so and you correct me if i'm wrong because you were you experienced that but let's just say out of the 300 you've got 200 that are really strong really strong maybe middle to upper peer that have good intentions maybe not all of them make it but in the program at that moment they're strong they're giving right. their the positivity is flowing and so you're one individual surrounded by 200 that can Boost you up, right? And that there is power in numbers, mm-hmm. for sure. And that's a really, really good point. Like I said, I never thought about it on that level because you one in two hundred is far different than you know. Let's say uh, we'll throw out an arbitrary percentage. You know, like seventy-five percent of the program mm-hmm. had, you know, was going in the right direction, and maybe twenty-five percent, one out of four, were. Struggling. Right. They have a huge group to pull them up, so to speak. Well, here in any program, let's say you're 20 or less, and half of them are new, and then you got two or three on the fence. Well, you're one person looking at maybe five people who are positive, but surrounded in a group of people feeling the same way you're feeling.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And if we can't instill in some of those people, ah, oh, you got to have hope or you got to believe to start to turn that around, it could. You got to do a lot more of the work by yourself. Yes, you don't have that that, that cheerleader section, so to speak, yeah. pumping you up and cheering you on. It's oh no, you, you're going to really need to want it right. when you're in a smaller program.
1: And one of the things that uh, we hope manifests itself out of having a graduate a graduating class,
2: give some of that
1: is not only do you have your peer. Okay, because your graduating class is not necessarily made up of your peer group.
2: Right. Okay. Of course. Usually, came before they, you. They
1: can come from many different, you know, uh, periods of time mm-hmm. that people just are ready to graduate now,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it all, it all comes together. So you have your peer group as one group support of group of support to rely on, and then your graduating class mm-hmm. becomes another group for you to rely on and and, and get support from. Right. And so we hope, at, or it's our hope, that that kind of acts as a multiplier effect. Or as, like, right. as we stated, when, when you have the large programs, you don't necessarily need that because you already have the numbers working in your favor more right. often than not. Right. All it takes for us is, let's say in our residential program is 32 beds. And we always talk about we use the term good and evil, but we don't mean it in like in a religious sense or anything. It's just because we can't think of two other words to use.
2: <laughs> <laughs> We're not very creative.
1: But you know, there, there's there's the good side and there's those working for evil and those on the fence. <laughs> and right. if if it's fifty one to forty nine evil, the impact that it has because you're such a small amount of people is significant.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You know what I mean, and so we always try and make we we fight as a staff to try and make sure that we got at least seventy five percent of them pulled over to our side of the fence so that they can as a family okay then ward off work
2: on that, the, yep. the, the, that
1: negative subculture and that that subculture doesn't take root and grow right <laughs> and become the dominant right source so we're always talking to them about legacies. That's right. Each group that comes together, each family group that the comes together for a period leave of time,
3: behind. what
1: is the legacy you're going to leave behind?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And when you look at the graduating class, and you you eyeball them, you look at at the time that they were in treatment. What was treatment like? What was the legacy of that time that they were there? Right. And sometimes, as we've said before, when we were talking about it in our last show. You, the luck of the draw sometimes is that you're you're going through, and it's a very negative period. You know, people aren't about recovery. And so you have to fight through that somehow to, to, to get yours. Right, you know, That's the reality.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And if you've had to do that, imagine the strength, not to diminish if you had a, a, a great group when you were going through, right. but if you had to fight through the negativity to get yours and you still made it through, Wow. I always speak to a tri- There's nothing like trials and tribulations because that builds character. Of course. You always hear me say, anyone who sails through treatment, not that they can't su- succeed, but it's always good to have trials and tribulations as you go through. Oh, yeah. So that you have some practice with, or, or and we can also see, how do you cope? How do you deal? How
2: will you respond how to How do you respond to that? Exactly. So,
1: and we always tell the clients, either you look up on the wall Everyone that's on that wall went through some trials and tribulations. No one sailed, sailed through easily. Right. Or or, <laughs> or, or they, they got it on the third try. Yeah. They didn't get it the first time around. They came back. They didn't get it on the second time around. And some of them made it all the way, you know, they completed treatment successfully and relapsed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you got some three-timers
2: up there. That's right.
1: Which brings me to another quick comment I want to make. Because this was a conversation I had on the day of the graduation. When I was in treatment, there were a couple of assistant directors. One of them, the late Steve Cunyon, may you rest in peace, uh, was the assistant director at Swan Lake while I was a trainee. Okay. Okay. This is the guy I told you that to hid in the closet while I was doing a, uh <laughs> interview. <laughs> yeah. To see how well I was doing the interview. Yeah. Yes, folks. He hid in the closet,
2: and that's awesome, by the way. He hid in the closet <laughs>
1: while I was doing the uh, initial interview. Anyway, <clears throat> I didn't have a particular liking to him
2: because okay. he was tough. He was hard. Sure.
1: Um, and however, I had a change of mind or heart, whatever you want to, however you want to describe it, when I found out that this guy took him four times. Wow. It took him four times to get it.
2: That's commendable. You
1: know what I'm saying? And he, at that time, he was an assistant director. And I was like, wow, when I found that out. That's, you know, something to of course. not give up after one, not give up after the second time, not give up after the third time. You know, three, three, three strikes, you're out, right? Mm-hmm. But to come back on the fourth go around and get it. What if you would have gave up on the third try? Who knows what would have happened? Right. But he didn't give up. So that gave me a different view sure. of him. Right. No, that's incredible. He's he... still hidden closets <laughs> to, to see what you were doing and if you were doing it right. You know, so he he was a hard, uh, you know, hard on the trainees. But that was, in in the end, it was good. It was good for you. Um, we're coming up on the top of the hour. We are. Uh, I want to take a quick break. Okay. We'll come back, close this out, and then uh, move into our next uh, phase.
2: Sounds good. We uh, see that we do have some callers on the board. Uh, When we come back after this quick break, we are going to wrap up our topic, and then we are going to move on to the Recovery sport Time segment. We hope you all are enjoying the show and appreciate your patience.
0: OCG can change your life in 15 minutes or less. Sounds familiar? Well, no, we don't sell car insurance, but we do change lives. If you, a family member or a friend, is struggling with substance abuse or addiction, give us a call. Toll free 866-325-6466. That's 866-325-6466. We will arrange a confidential assessment that will take 15 minutes or less. You can also visit our website, ocgworks.org, click on the service tab, and select the online confidential screening link. OCG, where hope grows. What you won't do, you do for love. You'll try anything, but you won't give up. That's the attitude you need to have in recovery. You've got to love or learn to love yourself first. You've got to be willing to try anything that will help you succeed. And most importantly, you can never give up. Visit us at OCGworks.org OCG where hope grows
3: uh, what you do
1: Welcome back to Roach on Recovery. Before I close out our postgraduate period discussion, uh, I just want to—it just came to my mind. I just want to do it for the record. We're going to have an absolute, absolute drenching winter here in California. That's my prediction. Book it. That's my prediction.
2: That's what I understand. Okay. What a lot of people don't know, and I can drop a little oceanography on you right now, people are only familiar with the term El Nino Mm -hmm. and what happens during an El Nino. No one is familiar with the term La Nina, which is actually what's happening Mm -hmm. um, when you're not experiencing an El Nino. Mm -hmm. And we live on the East Coast of the Pacific Ocean. Right. And so while we are experiencing this dry drought, this La Nina, El Nino is taking place on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. And this works to balance itself out. So after you've experienced one, an El Nino, for example, the La Nina will come around to balance out what is happening in the ocean and in the atmosphere. And so... You're probably right on, because we've been in this for a little while now, mm-hmm. and the Dopplars are speaking to people.
1: Yes. We're going to get our rear ends kicked. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, on Roach and Recovery, you get meteorology uh, uh, meteorological advice.
2: Yeah, advice. Is climatolo-
1: climatology.
2: A little bit of everything.
1: Earthquakeology.
2: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right.
1: I think the only thing we don't get, we, we've had a tornado. What 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 don't we get? We haven't had hurricanes. That's the only thing we don't get.
2: We don't get hurricanes. We, we get
1: fire, mudslides, flooding, rain, earthquakes, snow.
2: We get all that. You're not typically tornado is incredibly rare. In, yeah, infrequent. Rare. Yeah, but we still get them Won't every now and then. Will be devastating now. either. Right. But yeah, no, we get a we get a little bit of it all. Yeah. What we don't get. It are the snow and the ice in the winters in our specific yeah, area?
1: Yeah, up in the Sierras. Uh huh. Only three hours away, folks. We're 15 minutes away from the ocean, two and a half, three hours away from snow. So, where, 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 uh, where, where else where, would you rather be? Beautiful. <laughs> All right. So, uh, in closing, the postgraduate period. One of the things that we want to st- we stress to our graduates. As they move on and upward in their life, other than the obvious, maintaining an abstinence. Do we have to state that? Um, That goes
2: without saying. It
1: goes without saying.
2: But uh,
1: continuing to demonstrate the ability to cope with everyday life, everyday life demands, everyday responsibilities, and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. And more importantly... Understanding their personal, specific triggers and relapse issues and how to counterbalance and counteract them. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: Um, Understanding the recovery process. And then lastly, understanding when to reach out for some support that you're not in it by yourself and that exactly. this isn't well, this isn't a send off into uh you know loneliness
2: <laughs>
1: we do make up <laughs> words here right you know that you're going to be alone in, in in this this you know this um on this journey this part of the journey no we emphasize that we want to see you come back and have lunch have dinner
2: yeah check in
1: and check in and so the clients can see touch you touch the you a little bit. Exactly. feel you Hey, there's a graduate there. That's so right. so they can see, oh, I can I can I can do that. Mhm. So we 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 can't emphasize that enough with them.
2: Oh, it's huge. Mm-hmm. It's super important.
1: And so at some point at some point they'll get the masters and be able to uh teach those underneath them coming through the recovery process, the youngins
3: That's right. Coming
1: behind mm-hmm. them. And we'll be able to help them out when they're out in the field, not in the program. That's right. And that's how we hope the cycle will work and continue to work as it has worked for forty something years. Or are we are we at fifty yet? Oh yeah, 52 53.
2: Oh, okay. yeah. yeah,
1: okay. That's all I
2: got. All right. I just got a couple minor details uh, that that will fill in, uh, so we don't have to include this in the wrap. On the next show, mm-hmm. uh, when you spoke about good and evil, we have also, not that it's any better, but use the term, uh, you're either part of the problem or part of the solution. <laughs> so there are those there that go. are part of the problem. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh boy, I think that's all I got. <laughs> that's it. There was one more, but it must not have been all that important. But I do remember it sticking out in my head. Good and evil, we also have gone the, the problem and the solution route as well.
1: Okay. All right, let's uh take another break, our usual uh music break and come back on recovery support time.
2: Sounds good? It,
1: it seems like ages since we've done recovery support time. Oh. And, and we've got a build up of our uh X, x-file.
2: So, And in the great words of Bart Scott, can't wait. All right, stay tuned. <laughs>
0: is a program of OCG Radio. It deals with many topics related to substance abuse, substance abuse treatment and recovery. Our recovery support time is a show segment where you can receive support from our host for any questions or issues you wish to present related to substance abuse, substance abuse treatment or recovery. You can reach our hosts live by calling 646-564-9909. That's 646 564 five six four nine nine zero nine or you can send your questions via email at any time to ocgworkca at gmail.com that's ocgworkca at gmail.com and our host will respond to your questions on the air. Roach on Recovery Recovery support time: a time for us to help you.
1: Welcome back to Roach on Recovery. We had a nice musical break. Uh, this is our recovery support time, and we're going to start off with, since it's been such a long, long time, I, just, uh, I tried to sneak it in there real quick before they <laughs> dropped the clip, get some X-File questions in there, we've got some good ones for you guys. Let's see. What do we got? This is a geographical question. Joey from Santa Cruz wants to know if San Francisco is a good place for recovery or a bad place. There's no such thing as a good or a bad place. Wherever you are, recovery can happen. And so if San Francisco is where you have to be, that's where you have to be, and you have to make it work wherever you are. Very few of us are in a position to pick and choose where we can be when we are either starting our recovery process or if we're in the middle, whatever the case may be. You have to you have to have built yourself to the point that you can survive, maintain your recovery no matter what your environment is that's around you. Your 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 surrounding environment should not and will not dictate whether or not you succeed or not. It comes down to a decision, a choice. So San Francisco can be as good a place as any, or a bad place if you choose to choose it to be. All right, uh, let's see. <clears throat> this is an interesting question. I'm, I actually have never received this question before, so I thought it was pretty cool. What, Miguel from San Jose. What's the difference between treatment and recovery?
2: Okay, that is. I mean, I, why do I feel like we've heard that question before? I don't recall. A long, it. long time ago, I feel, some, or somebody asked something similar. Um, Maybe
1: an on-air caller might have said it, but I don't remember. It's the first time I'm right, seeing it in the X Files.
2: Right. That's a good one. So go ahead, co-host. What's uh, the difference? I, I guess if I had to play this game of semantics and put labels to things, I would say treatment uh, treatment is the period with which the car is being built, and recovery is when you drive off into the sunset from now until time ends.
1: All right. I have nothing to add to that because you know I am a car enthusiast.
2: <laughs> yeah, the What was it, the uh, Detroit-Michigan Proving Ground? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's it. All right. Uh,
0: let's
1: get another one in there real quick. Let's see if I can find a good one. Oh, here it is. Uh, Beth from Georgia asks, wants to know what is 13-stepping in AA meetings?
2: Some sort of a dance move, right? <laughs> the <laughs> not the two-step, not the old-school two-step, but the thirteenth step. Yeah,
1: so we 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 know there's only twelve, right? But she wants to know what's the thirteenth step, Beth.
2: We're gonna help you. Look out,
1: Beth. We're gonna help <laughs> you here, and 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 this is a problem.
2: It is indeed.
1: Okay, so the thirteenth step is uh is when uh, an experienced veteran of the 12 step realm praise p r e y s not pray p r a y s
2: <laughs> although we'll be praying yeah. for you
1: praise upon a newbie someone who's just beginning their their journey and has evil intentions negative intentions they're not trying to help you they're trying to uh How can we say this cleanly?
2: Coerce you into doing things that you did not come to AA for. Yes. And if you'll allow me to make a relation between that and what we just spoke about in our topic today. Go ahead. It's like you need a master's degree to be a professor. So that's like you got your master's and you're a professor now, and you're preying on a year one undergraduate student.
1: There you go. That's the 13th step, so you want to avoid that. There's only 12. Stick
2: to the two-step if you want to go dancing. There you go.
1: All right, let's go to the phones. We got, who do we got? Let's go to Martha from Santa Cruz. Hi, welcome to the show.
4: Hi. So I was wondering if you guys thought going to a transitional house Anywhere straight out of program is essential to somebody's recovery.
1: I wouldn't use the word essential. I would say it is a very good step if uh, it's either the only option or if they want to use it as a step down before they either go home or go back to wherever they're going to live. Okay, Essential so means e- that it's essential when you when when if we use the word essential it means like it's almost like a must have like you must yeah. do it, and if you don't do it, that you're not going to succeed
3: yes,
4: so do you think it's but, a good thing to do though
1: yes, yes,
4: even if you have a place to go
3: home to
1: it there's there's nothing wrong with there being a step down before you go to that that, that your my hands are up in quotes, your final resting place. <laughs>
4: Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's a good that's good insight. Thank you.
1: You're very welcome.
2: Okay, bye-bye. Mm-hmm.
1: You want to add? Code?
3: Yeah,
2: I, I use a particular analogy when speaking to clients who are ready to transition out. Mm-hmm. And it, it, like you said, even for the ones who don't choose to stay and graduate, but they completed the program and f- for whatever reason, they either they don't want to graduate, they don't have the means to, they're moving far away, whatever it may be,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you could very well have and this is entirely feasible everything you need if you completed the program to go out and stay clean Mm -hmm. but i say that anything on top of that i.e. going to a transitional home first maybe even if you have somewhere to go is it's like insurance and i actually once heard a counselor say this to me Mm -hmm. it's like car insurance you don't buy car insurance with the intent of going out and getting in an accident you buy it just in case right And so, to me, anything on top of, assuming you've got everything you already need, anything on top of that is just extra insurance. Right. It's just in case. Not to say that somebody could drive and never get into an accident, but just in case that that a bump hits that might be a little too big for you to have handled, coming right out of treatment, Mm -hmm. it's it's a little fallback. It's a safety net.
1: It increases the probability. Probability. Now, just before I get to the next call, I do want to insert, to comment, a side comment. I want to come out sideways on you, Mr. Mr. Co-host, on that statement about the car insurance. We don't choose to get it. The state makes us Uh, get
2: it. Okay, yes, yes. Very true. Very true. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Too much uh, regulation and, and uh, forcing people to do things. I'll change it to renters insurance. There you go.
3: There you go. <laughs>
2: All right. Let's get back to the phone. Who do we got? We got Kenneth
1: calling from Pacifica. Kenneth, welcome to the show.
3: Hello. Um, yes. My question was: um, Is what tools can I use to stay sober?
1: Boy, it's a broad question can you be more specific because there's a lot of tools a lot of tools that a person can use what be a little bit more specific for me
3: um like so i'm in treatment right now i was just right. wondering like um when i have urges you know what's a good tool to to keep me from you know following through with that urge
1: well uh the best tool is to deal with the urges before you get to that point of being done with treatment. Okay. Because if you experience the treatment process properly, the urges should be addressed. Okay. Why do I have these urges? Where are they coming from? What's their root cause? Etc. These right. are the questions that you're asking yourself. Where the, where is this urge coming from? Why am I thinking I, this way? Yeah, All of these. Yeah, I really things,
3: don't. I really don't know. <laughs>
1: okay, so okay. First rule of thumb that you're going to apply to yourself from this moment moving forward. Mm-hmm. We're not going to think about the past, but from this moment moving forward, you mm-hmm. will not accept from yourself the answer. I don't know. Okay. You either think or you feel. Okay. So when you are doing a self analysis and you're asking yourself the question, you have to say to yourself, Okay, what do I think the reason may be? Or what do I feel the reason to be? Okay. It's not I don't know. Because if if I don't know was the it was an acceptable answer, then Nobody would know because if you don't know, who knows?
3: <laughs>
1: but that isn't the case. You do know but sometimes you have to dig. Okay. And not with a shovel that you take to the to the what do you call it, Mr. Co host? What do you guys the the seashore, the, the, the beach to dig up <laughs> sand? But what we use on the East Coast to shovel snow—one of those shovels—you right. got to dig to get underneath and get the answers from down deep. Okay, you know what I'm saying?
3: Yeah, you got to do some soul searching. <laughs>
1: you cannot, yeah, you can't leave the treatment process and and still be craving and having urges and so on and so forth because it's only a matter of time. Right, it's only going to be a matter of time. That has to be dealt with while you're in while you're in that treatment experience so that when you leave. That's that is behind you,
3: right? Okay, thank you.
1: You're very welcome. Thank you. All right. Bye. I can't stress that enough. We say it over and over. You, there's no way you can leave these doors. You can't leave the program doors, the treatment doors, wherever you are in treatment. You can't leave them and have these. These unanswered questions and these unevaluated things, just like we talked about negative reservations, these can't be left hanging when you leave. They have to be looked at. They have to be analyzed. They have to be, you know, explored. Right. And answered. And I don't know is not an answer. That's unacceptable. You cannot accept that from yourself. Oh, I don't know. I don't know the answer. Of course you know the answer. Dig.
2: Yeah. You have to figure it out.
1: <laughs> you got to be willing. Mm-hmm. And so the question becomes, listen, listen are you are you willing to, to go where you need to go to get the answer? That means you got to go, get in your belly. Mm-hmm. There ain't no stairs in your head, although your head can help you get there. But the answer lies mm-hmm. within. And so that's why I say don't accept I don't know as an answer. Because right. if, if, if the answer, if I accept I don't know, and I'm the only one who really does know, someone outside of me can't tell me. Mm-hmm. I have to be willing to come forth oh, yeah, yeah, with yeah, information.
2: You have to do that yourself.
1: Why do you have these urges? What's behind them? What's at the root of them? What's underneath them? What are you thinking about? What are you feeling when these urges come?
2: Mm-hmm. You know, and
1: I'm, you know things like that. Right. That happens that has to happen in the confines of the treatment experience. If I walk out the door and I and you still I, don't and I, and I still have it and I have no answers, it's only a matter of time.
2: Right. That's absolutely correct.
1: All right a little excited there. You did. Okay, you're going to be all right? Let me calm down. (laughs) Get the juices flowing about, you know, you got to get this right, man. You got to get this right while you're in treatment, while you have it in front of you. All right, let's go to Tom from Sacramento. Tom, welcome to the show.
3: Thank you. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? Good. Um, I had a question about... um... In a treatment program, um, I've heard of negative contracts, but is there such thing as a uh, like positive contracts? And yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Would you, there is. Are those still, uh, a, you think, a, a bad thing or no?
1: No, no. I'll give you you an example of a positive contract. Here's a positive contract. Listen, if you see me doing something that I shouldn't be doing, if you see me talking about something that's not helping me, or if you see me acting in a way that I shouldn't be acting, I want you to pull me up. I want you to say something. I want you to talk to me about it. That's a positive contract.
3: Yeah. So negative contracts are more... uh,
1: Just the opposite.
3: I'll
1: give you an example of a negative contract. Hey. You know what? If I if I'm in you know, if you're in a treatment program for example, and hey, you know, if we sneak something in here to get high on, you know, let's keep it between us. That's a negative contract. Right. And, hey, you know, if you don't pull you don't you don't pull me up, I don't pull you up. That's a negative contract. Right. Okay. Or by the way, there could be implicit negative contracts. And this doesn't just apply to the treatment environment. This is even larger than that. There can be implicit contracts where you know of something that you should speak on, even though it has no direct impact to you, but you don't say anything. Yeah. And we call that not respecting your belly. Okay. Now, now that makes sense. Here, listen closely to this one, Tom. This is why it's very important. Because when people go out into the world... And move on in their life, and get into here's the word, Mister Mister Co-host—get into relationships. Oh boy. Okay, where they need to respond to their belly and learn how to respect their feelings and talk about their feelings, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Or relationships with family members or relationships with friends—they got to know what's a positive contract, what's a negative contract. Yeah. So yes, positive contracts we want, negative contracts we don't.
3: Okay. All right, thank you.
1: You're very welcome. Bye. One of the thing that takes a lot of energy to get across is how the things we talk about inside the confines of the treatment walls
3: mm-hmm.
1: translates outside. You I mean we talk about making the connections to the outside world. How it all translates. Now, obviously, that's our job to kind of help make those Connection. analogies and connections. And they then take it and run with it, of course. But we have to kind of like get the ball rolling yes. for them. How, how how does that connect to you know when I'm going to be outside? I don't get it. You know, you know How does it relate? We got to be able to speak to it and tell them. That this is how, if you have negative contracts in here, this is how that's going to relate to when you're outside.
2: Yeah, it's funny you bring that up because I was just having a conversation with a client yesterday about that same exact thing, and that is probably, you know, thinking about it, not wanting to exaggerate. That's probably the the most frequent point I bring up. I always tell anybody who's coming into treatment, it's not about us, you know. Don't do the right thing for us or don't make this decision because we care that you have a pull-up or who cares about what it means in the program. What matters is how it translates to the real world. Mm -hmm. So we don't, the motive doesn't need to be to appease us Mm -hmm. or to earn some sort of position in the house. Although that may come as a result of you doing Mm -hmm. these things, the important thing is how it translates to the real world. Mm-hmm. I bring that up with them all the time.
1: Well, there used to be an old saying back in Daytop, and um, it was 65% correct. Used to say, you know, It used to say, when you're looking good, you're looking bad. When you're looking bad, you're looking good. So I gave it. I always gave it sixty-five percent because sometimes when you're looking good, you're doing the right thing, you know. But we can always tell those who were trying to just look good for the purpose of looking good, but they weren't really doing the right thing. So that's what it really meant when it, when they were saying that saying. Um, but it's important. It's important. Oh. He's trying to uh, screen calls the old-fashioned way. How interesting. How interesting. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go to uh, our X-Files. I love that question about Thirteen stepping. Sergio, San Francisco, can you be in a healthy relationship with the opposite sex without it becoming sexual while in treatment? Well, there's two answers to that question, Sergio. Yes, you can. And we would like to see more of that because we believe this, the, the opposite sexes can learn from each other in the within the confines of the treatment walls. Where, where else better to learn? If you've had trouble as a male in relationships, what you can do better, what you can do different. Where are you going to learn that from, another male? No you can you can, it's like a a brother learning these things from the older sisters, and that used to be the way, but you know things change, and people aren't as mature as they used to be in the treatment setting, and they have other agendas, and so it doesn't happen like it should happen. Mm-hmm. See when you're in the mix of two hundred and fifty people in a treatment setting, you can find a group that's mature. And you can have these type of mature discussions. Right. When you have a smaller group, their chances greatly diminish.
2: <laughs> You're only available to eat what's on the buffet line. Exactly. Okay.
1: So, But to answer his question, yes,
2: it is possible
1: to have a healthy platonic, appropriately, here's another word I'm making up, appropriately bounded, i.e.
2: Don't, I. I don't
1: appropriate... Know boundaries proper
2: boundaries okay. <laughs> i don't even know what you're attempting to well, what the root of that one was
1: R- respecting the boundaries yeah appropriately respecting the boundaries of 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 the relationship and have it be platonic and uh being healthy
2: in a treatment environment mhm it has to be because you are going to have to learn how to have appropriately bounded relationships with the opposite, and that's the world. And that's what we've always been
1: saying and teaching and, and telling them that right. you're going to have to learn how to do that. Not every member of the opposite sex that you encounter is going to be some is going to be a sexual uh, relationship, right? That is not going to be the case. Exactly. All right. Back to the phones. Let's go to um, Linda calling from San Francisco. Hi, Linda. Welcome to the show.
3: Hi. My question is, how long does
0: it take for your brain to recuperate from all the damage that you did to it?
1: Well, let, let's drop a disclaimer real quick. Neither one of us are doctors, but uh, oftentimes, or more often than not, it depends on what drugs you use.
0: Oh,
1: okay. So what drugs are we we talking about? Meth. I have to sigh on that one because meth really messes the brain up. Yeah. And we used to tell the kids in the adolescent program that were, you know, addicted to meth that one of the advantages that they had was their youth. So they had their body, even though their brains were still developing and maturing physiologic, physiologically, they had the advantage of youth to kind of recover and, and regain some of you know what they lost. But if you yeah. have been using for 20 years and you're kind of up in age, it's a different story. Because it's a devastating drug.
3: Yeah, it is.
1: And that's the reality. And it takes more time for someone to recover from the devastation. And the only hope, here's the only hope, this is the important part, is that the person gives themselves that time. The only way they give themselves that time is through being, leaving it alone, sobriety.
4: Okay. Thank you.
1: You're very welcome.
4: You have a
2: good day.
1: You too. That was a cold, hard one
2: it's it's yeah, it is what it is it's it's a cold, hard one, but anyone can hang their hat on the fact, like you said, as long as you quit, then you're going to have a chance to come back on some level yeah. the The body is a very resilient living thing. it does not want to die. the brain does not want to die, it wants to thrive mm-hmm. it wants to live, and so And neurologically speaking, um, many things in the brain are regenerative. Mm -hmm. They can come back, but there is no point in thinking that if you can't stop what is causing the damage in the first place, you need to give your body that chance to bounce back and be resilient and do what it wants to do, Mm -hmm. which is what any living thing wants to do is live. And thrive. Mm -hmm. Okay, like a commercial for Kaiser right there. There you go. All
1: right, let's go to Ryan calling from Redwood City. Hi, Ryan. Welcome to the show.
4: Hi. Thank you for having me.
1: Oh, wait a second. Why do I have a Ryan and it's a female? Well,
2: now you're insulting name our Ryan. guest Ryan.
1: Oh, okay.
2: <laughs> the host. Stopped. No,
1: no, no. He spelled it wrong on the screen. He wrote it wrong. It wasn't me.
2: <laughs> How do you spell your name, Ryan?
4: Ryan. R-Y-A-N.
2: Yes, thank you.
1: Okay, all right, my bad.
2: The anyway. host is from Jamaica, forgive him.
1: <laughs> How can we help you?
4: It sounds like you're enabling him. So anyways, I've been an alcoholic for 20-plus years, and I want to go to a program, but six months may not be for me. Do you think a 90-day program would be enough to start my recovery?
1: I, ha- I have to be honest with you and say that the first problem you have is... Well, let me back up. Why are you time-limiting yourself? Is there a reason?
4: No, not at all. I just, oh. looking into it, decided that 30 days wasn't enough, but I don't know if six months will be too long. Um, no.
1: I, well, we can definitely tell you statistically 30 days is more often than not, never enough. But right. if you have if you have no limitations... On time, then you shouldn't pre prescribe how much time you may or may not need okay you know what I mean
3: Mhm,
1: no one knows some people, depending on how you know how long they've been drinking or using can can get it done in ninety days and 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 with some good outpatient contact and support, and some people need nine months
4: so if I were to say I chose a six month program since I'm not court ordered, I would be going in on my own Mhm um, Should I just give it the whole six months or maybe after four or five months if I feel that I'm strong enough to transition into the real world
1: how long How long you been drinking twenty how years. long okay, right. You did say that in the beginning. Aren't you worth whatever length of time it takes to get you back on the track of sobriety? Yes. So whether it's six months, one year, five years, whatever it takes, you're worth it. So okay. you shouldn't walk in the door with a number in your head. Right. Okay. You should walk in the door with, I want to leave Clean and sober with a strong foundation, and however long it takes for me to get there, that's how long it takes.
3: Okay,
4: sounds good.
1: That, that's all you should say.
4: Okay, sounds wonderful. Thank you for your advice.
1: You're very welcome.
4: Mhm. Bye
1: bye. Bye bye. As you know, Mister Producer, from as many times as I've told the story, I walked into Far Rockaway on my day of entry with, in my mind, my treatment plan already prepared. That's right. For how long I wanted to be in treatment, which was six months. Mm-hmm. And then I would be fine and dandy and just ready to go back out and face the world. Right. And when I asked the young man at the front desk, just out of curiosity, by the way, with my sister standing next to me, with my bags on the floor, Far Rockaway Queens, the entry unit, I said, but how long is this program? You know, just until you finish. And he said, oh, anywhere from, and he just said this matter of factly, by the way, anywhere from 18 to 24 months, I immediately reached down to pick up my bags and march right out. And my sister said, wait, wait, wait a minute now. And it was 25 months that I eventually, when I actually you know graduated. So the guy was right. He was off by one month.
2: It was, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you can't, you can't.
1: Yeah, you can't come in with your own treatment plan.
2: And what it does to me when I hear a question like that is I am immediately questioning your motivation. Mm-hmm. If you genuinely want to be clean, then nothing else matters. You are opening yourself up to be at the mercy of the program and place your faith and trust in the people who know what it looks like to get clean, mm-hmm. and I will follow you until that time is. If I am predetermining a time, and, uh, well, okay, maybe I'll do the, the year, but at month 10, since I'm not, court, it's like, then do you really want to be clean? I don't know mm-hmm. what what the purpose is here, because if you do, nothing else matters. And that's the way it needs to be approached. Nothing else matters, because if you start putting stipulations, well, you know, 12 months is too long, and, what what if there's like a couple of groups I just don't really vibe with and it's like are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Maybe you should open up your own program. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So no, that doesn't. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you took that call because my tone might have been not so em- empathic with that caller. You
1: know what the giveaway is though is when they when 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 a person starts off with I'm not court ordered or anything, so I'm going to be coming in voluntarily. <laughs> All right. Who cares? And I don't mean that in a mean-spirited way. I mean, one—I I mean, if yeah, you're coming in yeah. voluntarily, that's fantastic
3: mm-hmm. because
1: that means that you—you you haven't uh, had the privilege of experiencing the criminal justice system, <laughs> right? You know, and having your freedom taken for a little bit before you were kind of forced. My hands are in quotes. To hey, you do have a problem now. Do you want help or do you want a prison cell? Right. You know what I mean? Right. It, and there was a time, you know, back in the day days, you know, 90% of the people that were in the program came in voluntarily. They weren't forced in. Now that changed as the early to mid-90s came in and late 90s came in and that kind of like flipped where it was 90% of the people were, you know, probated in or or ordered in by the courts. Right. Okay. And now you're dealing with a different attitude. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? When someone, when you're forcing someone to do something, but you just got to deal with that, which is what we, you know, out here, the majority of our people come through the we'll criminal to justice. So we, we we're used to it. Mm-hmm. But when someone comes in, and and so it's the odd person now who comes in, and they're they're you know they're not connected to criminal justice, you know, yet, and so they they're coming in quote unquote voluntarily, and they sometimes like to wear it like it's some badge of honor.
2: Right. Right.
1: It's not a badge of honor. You're 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 lucky, you're fortunate that you haven't, you know, done anything or been involved in anything as a result of your addiction. That you that you ended up going down that road yet.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Well, yeah, and it's
1: almost we don't put you in fluffier chairs, you know, and give you you know uh,
2: <laughs> separate right.
1: separate meals because you're here voluntarily. Right. It, oh,
2: there's almost a tone or an air of entitlement to us.
1: Yes. It. There you go. Like
2: because and you
1: know that rubs me the wrong way. I did a whole show on entitlement.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And it's just it is the wrong mindset in which to approach treatment with. If you believe that you have a problem which one can assume you do if you're choosing to enter treatment and that you yourself are incapable of coping with or solving that problem, which again, if you're choosing and seeking out the help of a program, you have hopefully admitted that to yourself. Mm -hmm. Then you are at the mercy of the person who's telling you, well, I have the answer to the question that you can't solve. It is not then on you to say, well, Four months into it, oh, well, I know you said you have the answer, but I'm pretty sure I've got the answer. I'm close, so mm-hmm. I think it's you know it's my time. Like no, that's just not how it works. And again, makes me question how sincere you are about really wanting to change your life.
1: Mm-hmm. That badge of honor of uh, being a volunteer.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I volunteered to come in. I don't have court or judge hanging yeah, over my well, head. Well, I
2: put myself here, so I don't need to be here. Well, you do need to be here. You wouldn't be here, would you? There you go.
1: All right. Back to the X-Files. Gunther is a name you don't hear.
2: Oh, I like that name, though. I think
1: it's a German name, Gunther.
2: Gunther Cunningham. Mm-hmm.
1: San Rafael. I'm doing good in my program, he says. Okay. But I'm sure that once I complete, I might relapse because of social events. Mm. What do I do? Now, I'm not sure what he means by social events. Does he mean... weddings, dances,
3: eating out with friends. That he has
1: social anxiety, and so if he's in a social setting, that those are going to set him off and and trigger him in a negative way? Is Is that what you think he means?
2: The way I read that is when being a part of... Gatherings are events where liquor is available. That's just the way I I read it. Well,
1: I'm going to go back to our theme of that you know when building the car. Uh, we 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 build the person that's going to go into into this recovery process to be able to withstand any environment or situation they find themselves. One of my old ones I used to use, which it wasn't, you know, it's not too, uh, you know, clean, but it, it it's kind of, you know, right to the point is I want you to be able to get be stuck in an elevator with 16 people smoking crack and it have no and it has no bearing on what you decide to do. That's how that's how strong in your recovery I want you to be that you're stuck in an environment that you have no control over and bad things are happening around you and it has no impact on what you decide to do. They can't make you smoke it. They can't force it upon you, etc., etc. You can only decide. You can only make a decision. It's not a mistake. It's not an accident. It's a decision.
2: Choices. There are always choices.
1: So we want to build you that, you know what, I don't care what, what where I find myself, what situation I find myself in, what event I might be at, and what's going down at that event, what's going down in the club, et cetera, et cetera, that it's not going to impact how I act, how I conduct myself and the decisions I make.
2: Right. Exactly.
1: And I find myself saying that thousands of times, and I'll continue to say it to the clients because that's where I want them to be.
2: Yeah, well, if you're going to make it in recovery, that's where you have to be. There is be, no, there's no
1: coddled environment right. out
2: there. Right, it's beyond uh, a a setting or an environment. If you don't like, uh, I don't know, chocolate ice cream, it doesn't matter where you're at or if a table of ten is eating chocolate ice cream around you. If you don't like it. You don't do it, you mm-hmm. don't want anything to do with it. It's the same exact thing If you're clean, not because I'm making someone happy or if I am clean and sober because I just choose not to use because I don't like it and there are things about it, it doesn't matter who's doing it mm-hmm. or where I am. This is like a personal choice, you know, good for everybody else, but mm-hmm. that's just not me.
1: How much time we have?
2: You're on about five minutes. Okay. okay.
1: All right. Let's take a call real quick. Let's go to Kelvin from Hayward. Kelvin, welcome to the show.
3: How you doing, sir? Good. Uh, my question is, how do I know when
4: I'm ready to transition from a program into the real world?
3: Mm.
1: You'll know when you can answer all the necessary questions about yourself. Like question number one, why did I use drugs in the first place? Question number two, why did I continue to use drugs? Question number three, how did I become an addict? Question number four, what do I feel about the addict lifestyle now? Question number five, what do I think? Two different questions. What do I feel? What do I think about that lifestyle now? Those are just a a short sampling of the many questions a person would have to answer, not only to others who may ask ask those questions of them, but that you would have to ask yourself in the mirror and honestly answer to determine whether or not you are ready to move on to the next phase of your recovery experience. That's
3: understandable. Well, thank you for uh, answering my question, sir. I really do appreciate it.
1: You're very welcome. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. So I guess it's kind of... uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's innate because no, that's I'd be using my own frame of reference. So I would have had to have asked all of my peer group back in the day, but I'll just throw it out to you, Mr Producer. I well yeah, I the a question. Yeah. I'll throw it out to you real quick. Is is it innate for the person in the in treatment to be con, to worry about and be concerned about when I'm leaving cuz I didn't think about that when no. I was in treatment
2: no neither did I i think that it might be again trying like you said not to use my own frame of reference um the only the only way i could see justifying that that is even a worry mm-hmm. of somebody is barring some sort of life changing event that's going to take place, mm-hmm. perhaps my wife is pregnant and the baby is coming in six months, mm-hmm. and so six months is the goal because I want to be home to help my wife when our first child is born um, things of you know things of that nature where there is a clock that is going on something incredibly important outside of here, but short of that, short of you know, whatever, short of that, I'm going to say, then, uh, yeah, I don't think all your focus and your energy needs to be directed towards taking care of yourself, getting well, doing the right thing, which is difficult. It is hard work. Mm -hmm. And so you don't want to waste an ounce of mental space or energy on something that is relatively insignificant in the grander scheme of things, oh, mm-hmm. uh, over six months feels long. So I'd like to leave by six. That kind of thing, no. Um, like I said, I didn't. I didn't think about that. Oh, but, we, but we always didn't. tell.
1: We always tell the clients that if you are involved in what's going on in the program, you don't even notice the time. Nah, no, the
2: time flies the time anyway. Before you
1: look up, four or five months has gone by. Right. And you're like, oh my
2: god. I just got here. It's true. That's very true. All
1: right, do we have any time for uh, another X Files?
2: Well, oh, if you think you could go rapid fire and answer a question in a minute,
1: uh, let's see here. Looking, looking. Uh, Benzin me, PA, wants to know, what do you want your sponsor to do if you start using alcohol or other drugs and you tell your sponsor about it and ask for help?
2: I'm not even sure I understand that.
1: I guess he's asking, what should the response from the sponsor be?
2: Oh, yeah. I okay. I,
1: I would hope the response would be one of intervention. Right. Um, and, I, I mean, an, another human being can only do but so much. They can't put you in a headlock and make you stop doing what you've decided that you choose that you want to do.
2: You'd hope for a compassionate kind of response, an understanding response Mm -hmm. that would have some effect on you. One of action as well. Like I understand, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna crucify you for this. Mm -hmm. It happens to folks, but let's focus on What's the plan of action to arrest this relapse here. It's like you the the ten percent rule. Ten percent, ten percent of the problem; ninety percent the solution. Yep, that's about it for you, sir. You better, oh, okay. you better make your sign off. I see you looking through there for another one. No, all
1: right, all right, I'm done. We'll save the rest for next week. And all week right, after.
2: beautiful. Well, it, I, I'm sure I can speak for the host and I in saying that it was great to be back on the air. Uh, we have concluded a whole show without having been booted and rudely interrupted. We'll we'll
1: find out on (laughs) playback if that's the case. I hope other people, people listening haven't been booted.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Good call. Good call. So anyway, for all of those who called in to listen, we appreciate the support, the callers. Thank you so much. Uh, we've had a great time being back. We will be back next Tuesday. We wish everybody a great rest of the week and a fun and safe weekend. We will talk to you guys later. (laughs)
0: For this evening. Thank you for listening. Be sure to listen to our next broadcast Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG Radio. Like us, friend us, and follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash OCG and on Twitter at OCG You can listen to podcasts of all our shows on iTunes under Roach on Recovery or on our Blog Talk Radio homepage. This has been a presentation of OCG Recovery Radio.